You're listening to the Growth Experts Podcast. So if you're looking to 10X your business by learning proven growth strategies, you're in the right place. During my interviews with top CEOs, entrepreneurs, and marketers, I dig deep to uncover the real strategies, hacks, and tools to help you achieve your goals. And I'm your host, Dennis Brown. Hey, everybody. If you're interested in learning how to leverage LinkedIn for your business, this episode is sponsored by my book, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful LinkedIn Users. To get your free copy, just send a text to 44222 with the word seven habits. That's the number seven habits to 44222. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And today we have yet another amazing guest. His name is John McDonald, and he's the founder and president of The Good, a conversion rate optimization firm that helps brands convert more of their existing website traffic into buyers. He's worked with brands like Adobe, Nike, Xerox, The Economist, and many others. He's also a contributor to Entrepreneur and Inc. in and around conversion rate optimization. So welcome to the show, John. Thanks for having me, Dennis. Yeah, thank you. So, you know, conversion rate optimization is one of those topics that I'm noticing is becoming much more front and center. A few years ago, I didn't hear a whole lot about it, right? I mean, it was kind of behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. You guys were doing good work, but behind the scenes. And it's becoming more and more prevalent, you know, just as a podcaster, as a part of the growth experts, I have more and more people approaching me and, and having conversations about this. So I'm excited because Today, we're going to take a little bit different approach to it. You have a unique perspective in and around how and why data-driven decisions are critical to higher conversion. But before we get into that, give the audience here a little bit of a backstory. Tell us kind of how you got here. Take one or two minutes, and then we'll get rolling. Sure thing. Well, The Good started about 10 years ago, and we started out as e-commerce development shop. And what I found was that Clients were really hiring us to optimize their website after we launched it because development had become a commodity, right? They could hire anybody to build a website and as long as it was functional, they were happy. But what they really wanted was somebody to help come in and optimize and keep the site growing in terms of revenue and conversions and those types of metrics after it had launched. When I realized that that was the case, we quickly pivoted to focusing just on that. Now, 10 years ago, as you mentioned, there was no such thing as conversion rate optimization in terms of a term. And the industry was really just getting started. And the tool sets were limited. But there was a lot of different types of data that we could still collect. And we could still do things like user testing that didn't require us to do any on-site data tracking. And we have kind of grown with the industry and have, I would personally like to think that we've helped influence that industry to some degree as well along the way. And so now we focus exclusively on helping brands convert more of their existing visitors into buyers. And as you mentioned, you know, we help brands large and small to make data-driven decisions based on their site's visitors' actions. Okay, perfect. So you started this about 10, you, you just, I think you just said you had your 10-year anniversary for the good? We did about two weeks ago now. Wow. Congrats. Yeah. 10 years in a very quickly evolving and changing landscape, right? I mean, with all the new technology and with everything that's taking place, I mean, I'm sure that that you've went through a lot of different iterations of the services and the strategies and the 
and the processes that you go through with clients. And of course, as you're a growing company, that's always challenging. Today, we don't have a time to dive into all that, but I do want to get a little bit micro into your business, if you don't mind. My question is, what if you had to isolate and pick the number one strategy that the good is using, that you and your team are using to get new clients for your business, what would it be if you had to pick mm-hmm. one? Specialization. Okay. And I realized that that has nothing to do with on-site conversions, but the reality here is that when people find us and they come to our site, it's because they have a pain or a need that we focus on solving. And I think that that's really important because how many B2B sites have you been to where you pull up the site and you really have no idea what that company does and how they're going to help you solve a pain or need that you have? And it's, you know, for us, it's being extremely focused and making sure that we help solve a few pains and needs and we say no to everything else. You know, as you mentioned, conversion optimization is becoming bigger and bigger and a, and a larger trend over the last handful of years. And every digital marketing agency is listing it as a bullet point on their website in a list of a massive list of bullet points that they do everything for everybody. And we've kind of taken the opposite approach. We focus exclusively on conversion optimization. Okay. So specialization into that specific area has been the strategy. How do you implement that? I mean, obviously on your site itself, right? I mean, I know Mm -hmm. that that's probably front and center how you've positioned the content, the message, and the flow of the entire site. But what are you doing to get people to the site? Is it a lot of you know content marketing, SEO? Mm-hmm. Is it paid traffic? Is it you know is it a lot of social? I mean, how are you getting eyeballs to the site so that you can have that impact? Well, we don't do any paid and no outbound. So everything we do is around how do we get more qualified conversations finding us and reaching out and engaging with us. So it's a ton of content marketing. We produce about 2,000 words a week. We've been doing things like these podcast interviews and other mediums to make sure we have a good mix in there besides just printed word, if you will. But really, it's all around being found when people are looking for those specific pain points because we are so specific in what we do. And we do focus that it really is important to have those leads come in that already are qualifying themselves by already having a pain that we can solve. So you're getting a lot of organic traffic from Google, I'm assuming. Yes, Google. We get a lot of referrals. You know, it's I do a lot of like webinars, for instance. So people who are having problems find those types of resources out there and then recognize us as thought leaders. And I'd say that'd be the word to really summarize it up as thought leadership. Gotcha. Okay. So you do a lot of so it's thought leadership converting into inbound because you have really no outbound strategy or paid ads. Perfect. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Great. Thank you for breaking that down. That's very helpful. The audience is always interested in how exactly you're getting your clients. All right. So one other question, you've been in business a little bit more micro into the good. You've been in business for a decade. Can you draw us a little bit of a picture as to what that looks like? I mean, whether that be revenue or employees or percentage growth or something to give us a sense of the scope of the business because you're doing business with some really big brands. So I'm hoping that translates to some really big numbers for you. Well, it certainly does. In terms of of client size, you know, we again work with clients both large and small. The vast majority of customers that work with us are on what we call our conversion growth program. In that program, 
which is sold as a recurring revenue model. So we bill on a monthly basis. There's no long-term contracts. And I think that it's almost sold like a SaaS product in that way. On that program, we have about 50 clients. And so, you know, in addition to that, we also do the enterprise work uh, with some of the larger brands and that we do on, you know, larger, longer term contracts and engagements. So it definitely has been a, a growth spurt for us as the industry has grown too. You know, we have really last year alone, we, we just over doubled in size last year in terms of revenue. And we're on track to do the same thing again this year. Okay. So let me peel that onion back one layer further and answer and whatever you're comfortable with. I mean, are you talking about like a high six-figure business, a mid-seven-figure, eight-figure? I mean, what does that look like? I mean, I don't want you to disclose exact revenue if you're not comfortable, but oh, can you no. range it? Can you give us some sort of a range to our sense of where it falls sure. into? Yeah. Several million, several I'll million. say. Girl. Yeah. Okay, great. Somewhere between one and five million would probably be fair. Yeah. Per, on a yearly basis. Exactly. Awesome. Perfect. All right. So healthy business and it's a service business. So you know, and you have a fairly small team, but growing. So margins are probably pretty strong. That's awesome. Congrats on that. Well done. Thank so you. I know that the primary reason why we're here today is to talk about how and why data-driven decisions are critical to higher conversions. So what I'd like you to do, if you could, for the audience, unpack that and sprinkle in some nuggets here on how anybody listening to this with a website can start to use data to increase their conversions, whether that be in email opt-ins, whether that be in selling their SaaS product, whether that be in e-commerce. Sprinkle some of those nuggets in, leave the audience with some good takeaways, and then I'll turn it over to you. Yeah. Well, I think that there's four really key types of data that every business should be tracking. And if you're not doing these, then you really should start doing these immediately. They're all pretty easy to implement in the end. The first is, of course, analytics. But we're not just talking about Google Analytics, right, that you can get out of the box. We're really talking about understanding your business over the longer term. Seasonality. Every business, even B2B businesses, have seasonality to some degree. We do here at The Good. For instance, you know, we work with a lot of e-commerce folks and they pretty much don't want to change their site during holiday season. So we see you know, during holiday season, a lot of our clients will disappear and come back in January. But you know, seasonality, you're looking for trend lines around you know, how things are doing week over week, month over month, quarter over quarter, things of that sort with analytics. Secondly is heat maps. How are people engaging with your site? Right. So we're looking at not just heat maps based on mouse movement, but where are they clicking? You know, click maps. How far down are they scrolling on every page? Are they actually engaging with your content? I think that's a key piece there. You know, like we have a lot of content up on our site, but what we've found over the years in tracking data is what people are engaging with needs to be higher up on the page. Right. And make sure that if something's not being found valuable, that we just eliminate it. So analytics, heat mapping, of course, A-B testing is a fairly easy one to start rolling with. There's some great tool sets. Google has a free tool now that is on par with some of the major players out there. It's called Google Optimize. So you feel free to look into that. You tag it in with your Google Analytics install. So it's very easy to get started and has a visual editor in it. So you can go in and start making small and large changes to your site and testing those out. And again, going back to data-driven decisions, use the data from 
the actions of how people are engaging with your site through analytics and through the heat mapping to understand what should be tested on your site. And, you know, understanding how all that data plays together can really inform to push you to the next level and do what's called user testing. This is where you would send people to your site who are part of your ideal customer profiles pool and have them complete tasks on your site. Now, we do what is called remote unmoderated. And this is pretty easy to do through tools like usertesting.com. There's dozens of these tools out there, though, that can help you at all different price points. And what I mean by this is we ask them to complete tasks on the site while we record their screen and their audio. And these folks talk out loud about, they're instructed to talk out loud about the, what they're thinking about as they're completing these tasks, the challenges they're having, what they like, what they don't like. And you'd be surprised, even just doing five user tests, a really low number, you would think, can give you some great data on what people are thinking as they're getting through your site. And I think it's really important, especially for B2B, because so many B2B brands are, you know, have a challenge. I often like to say it's really hard to read the label from inside the jar. Now, you're on your site every day. You know your business inside and out. Think about what a person who's coming outside, who has a pain, they think that your site can solve that pain for them or your service can solve that pain for them. And they're trying to conduct research. But they get to your site and within five seconds, they still have no idea what you do because you're not speaking language that they understand. And I think that that perspective can be extremely powerful in helping you to understand what other data you should be looking at and put context on that other data. So definitely recommend looking at those four pieces of data, course analytics, heat mapping. There's a great tool for that called Hotjar, H-O-T-J-A-R. It's about $9 a month, I think. It's for the value of that is, you know, surpasses the price pretty far. Again, A-B testing is the third and then user testing is the fourth. All of that combined can really help you make some great data-backed decisions pretty quickly. Wow, that's amazing. So I love the way you broke that down. And the one that, you know, of course, I've heard of, you know, analytics like Google and, and even you know, heat mapping with Hotjar and A-B split testing. You know, I use Sumo as a tool for one of my sites for A-B testing, for particularly for email opt-ins. That works really mm-hmm. well. But the user testing, I thought that was really interesting. So you're taking, I mean, how does something like that work? Can you take that and break that down a little bit more sure. of how exactly you would implement something like that for your site? Yeah, of course. Well, So first of all, what you do is you can go on any of these tools like usertesting.com and you they all have a tool set that the tester will either use through their browser or download to their desktop and it records their screen and their microphone. And some of them will also record a video of the tester. Now, what you're doing is you put questions in front of them. You say, okay, tell me, you know, load up the site and within five seconds, tell me what you think we do. And you start getting perspectives like that. And then you ask them to, okay, find a piece of content related around email pop-ups. And you just prompt them like that, open-ended, just say, find this. And then you watch them navigate your site on video. And as they're doing that, they're saying, okay, I'm going to search for content on email pop-ups. I see a little magnifying glass. That's probably a search icon. I'm going to click on that. I'm going to type in email pop-ups. Oh, here's the results page. Why are there no articles and email pop-ups? Maybe I'm in the wrong area. So you start hearing about what they're thinking as they go through this. 
and you start understanding where they get frustrated. They say things like, I can't find out how to get to this point. I can't figure this out, or I just want to contact you. And I can't figure out where to do that. Or I have this problem and I can't figure out why you don't solve that problem. Or, you know, so not only are you getting great usability feedback about your site, you're also getting great, you know, outside perspective on your business and how you're marketing and positioning and the value proposition that you're putting out there. And I think that's almost as valuable as the specific usability of your site as well. Yeah, I love that. So how would you approach, you know, would you go to an existing client or would you go to, I mean, how do you recruit or bring those people into the fold? I mean, you're not, you're probably not just sending, you know, generic traffic there, right? Mm. So how do you go about doing that? I mean, do you have a strategy for that? I do. So two things. First is at The Good, we've over there 10 years have formed a a library, if you will, or pool of trained testers. And what I mean by that is we ask them to do about 30 minutes of training before they're allowed to be part of that pool. Plus, we ask them to give us some demographic information. So we're able to segment those folks based on several data points. And then any good testing platform will also allow you to ask some questions to opt people in or out of a test. So you can ask questions like, you know, if you're B2B and you're looking for conversion, we know, for instance, that our main target audience are e-commerce managers, for instance, or B2B marketing managers, I can ask what their title is and if it's one of those items or not. And then, you know, we'll let them take the test or not. Now, there's two. The second thing is there's a couple of ways to recruit if you don't have a pool. The first is I would not go to current customers because they already know you, right? You're likely right, to exactly. you know, That's not what get I was great thinking. information. Right. Yeah, It'll be skewed. So, it's going to be skewed data probably. Exactly. So the first thing I would suggest is to all... Any good testing platform is going to have a pool of folks that you can work with, similar to what I just talked about. So you can go into that pool and post a couple of questions, and then people just start answering those questions and either opting into your test or getting kicked out of it. And if you opt in, then you compensate them. And the compensation is not expensive. It might be 50 bucks a test at most. So there's some options there. Now, the The second thing is we've had some clients that have had some really great test subjects come in via their site. And you can just segment your traffic to say, is this a first-time visitor? Did they come from organic search, for instance? And anybody who does that show a pop-up and ask them if they want to take a user test and be compensated for that. You would be surprised how many people will say yes. And again, you only need a very limited number of test subjects to really start seeing some trends in that data. We've done it with as few as five. Generally, 10 is really a good number, which is still surprisingly low. I often have clients who you know, I'm talking to who say, oh, do you test this with like 50, 100, 200? It's like, no, really 10 is almost all you need. So you know, it doesn't have to be a large number of participants. You can find them in a lot of places. We've also had companies who have gone to conferences, taken a laptop, and sat down with the testing tools and done it that way, where they get test subjects at conferences where they know their target audience is going to be. That's a great place to just sit down and convince people, hey, I'll give you a $50 bill if you sit down and give me 10 minutes of your time. Love it. You'd be surprised how many people will do it. Yeah, great ideas. Perfect. I didn't mean to derail you. We talked about the four types of data, right? Analytics, Mm -hmm. heat maps, A-B testing, and user testing, which we kind of peeled the onion back. I thank you for that. Where do we go next? 
Well, I think, you know, if we bring this back around to conversion optimization and making data-driven decisions, that it's really important once you have that data, that you let the data guide your decisions. And what I mean by that is letting the data truly, you know, decide how to alter your website. It's very easy to, I'll tell a story here. We had one client at a very large international organization that we work with. And we had been working with the e-commerce manager, VP of e-com, to make some tests based on, make some changes based on some A-B test results. We came back into and presented our findings. And one of the other VPs was in the room. And the VP said, you know, I don't agree with this. This isn't how we've done it. I don't think that's right. We shouldn't make that change. And I said, okay, well, this is what the data is telling us and really should just trust the data and make this change. I think it's going to be really impactful based on you know what we found from A-B testing results. And he said, no, don't change it. I said, okay, let, let's do this. Will you give, can we meet back here in a week? Give me one week. I will come back and I want to change your mind. And if you say no after that meeting, perfectly fine. He said, sure, let's meet in a week. So we set a date. We went back and we did a bunch of user testing. And what I did is we put a highlight reel together of all of the videos of people having challenges in the, on the, the product detail page where they were trying to add the product to cart but couldn't figure out how to configure the product and make that change and then get it into their cart and they would bounce. So they were getting very frustrated and they were being verbal about how frustrated they were and then they would leave. Well, what we did was we put a little ticker down in the left-hand corner with just a dollar sign. And every time somebody bounced in the video, whatever product they were trying to add to the cart, we put the value down there. And we just let that build up as we showed all these highlight videos. And the video was about 15 minutes long of people getting frustrated and the audio of them. And some cases, video of them, you know, how you could see the expressions and the pain on their face that they were having going through. And it just was a bad customer experience. But more importantly, it cost them a lot of money. And you know, once we had that highlight reel put together and the ticker just kept going up and up and up, we showed it to them a week later and it didn't take maybe three minutes of the video running before the VP said, you know what, I get it. I understand this is costing us a lot of money now. Go ahead and make the change. And they saw a very, very large increase in not only conversions, but revenue off their product detail pages because of that. Love it. That's perfect. So I think that's sound advice. Obviously, you know, going with your gut when it comes to conversion rate optimization is probably not a winning strategy, but using the data is, right? So number one, had knowing the right types of data. Number two, tracking that data and letting that guide your decisions, as you so eloquently put it. So that's perfect. Well, listen, anything else you want to add? I got two more questions. We'll have to do them rapid fire and then we'll wrap it up for today. Yeah, I would say one more thing to add to this is that, you know, just blatantly copying your competition, seeing what others are doing and then following that trend is not a data backed way, right? So a lot of people say, oh, I I have data. I looked at all of our competitors and five out of six are doing this. I think we should do that too. When I talk about data, it's your specific site visitors that are what we're talking about here and the challenges and feedback you're getting from your site visitors. There's a couple of reasons for this. The one is, you don't know. You could have been opted into an A-B test on, on some or all of those sites. You would have no way of knowing, right? So the second thing is they could just be testing it. The second thing is you have no idea if it's actually that one tactic is actually working for them. So in that sense, you're still blindly copying and you're taking a guess as opposed to basing it on data from your sites, uh, visitors and interactions. 
Perfect. Awesome. Well, listen, let me ask you this question. You know, being a tech guy and data mm-hmm. and tracking, I'm sure you'll you'll have something interesting to share. What would be one tool or software or SaaS product, something you're using that you think really has an impact on helping you grow your company? A well, gro- some growth I, tool or software. Yeah. So there's this great tool that we use, and I think this can be really helpful for B2B cus- uh, listeners specifically. It's called GoSquared. G-O squared. It's a company out of the UK that has an amazing dashboard for not only tracking your site's visitors, but it also gives you a lot of data on your top content. Now, this is stuff you can get out of Google Analytics, but this also ties it down to the individual visitor level. What I mean by that is that you can track anonymously everybody who comes to your site, what paths that individual took through your site, And then you can set up conversion points so you can filter it. You can say, I only want people who filled out a lead gen form. What paths did they take to get there? And it just makes it so much more simple and easy to find that everyone on our marketing team utilizes it and it works out of the box. So it's a great tool. And then it has one click where you can add them into Salesforce as a lead and it can import a lot of their data. If they filled out a form, it will, it will mirror their entire history up with whoever filled out the form and gave you their information. So it's GDPR compliant. It doesn't do anything that is individually identifiable until those people gave you their information, but it does help you to, to really get some insightful information about where people are coming from, what they're searching, how they're engaging with your site, and shows it to you all in real time as well. Perfect. That sounds like a great tool. So what would be a book that maybe had, you know, some sort of significant impact on you or helped you along your, your the last 10 years of you growing your business? This is an easy one. There's a book by Stephen Krug, K-R-U-G, called Don't Make Me Think. And what it's about is that there are specific trends online that we have all just grown up with the internet and been trained on, right? So For instance, that if you want to go to the homepage, you know, for most sites, you should be able to click on the logo and it takes you back to the homepage, right? Just a standard convention that we've kind of been trained on over time. Well, this book is all about how you should follow those conventions instead of trying to break them. And the idea being that by making the web an easier to use place and not making your site visitors think that they will have an easier path to becoming customers. And... I feel like that book summarized conversion optimization before it was even an industry because that book has been revised. There's been several editions now, but the first one was probably 20 years ago now. And, you know, he was very, I like to think of him as one of the grandfathers of conversion optimization. Love it. Perfect. Well, listen, we'll put those uh, links in the show notes. And for now, let everybody know how they can connect with you, learn more about the good, and then we'll wrap it up for today. Yeah, great. Well, The Good, you can find more information about us on our website at thegood.com, T-H-E-G-O-O-D.com. And you know, if you wanted to learn more about myself, uh, you can learn more about me at johnmacdonald.com, J-O-N-M-A-C-D-O-N-A-L-D.com. And feel free, if you have any questions, to email me directly at john, J-O-N, at thegood.com. I try to read every email and respond. Uh, We'll do my best to do so for you as well. Perfect. Again, we'll put those uh, links in the show notes. Really appreciate you being here. Have an awesome day. And I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Perfect. Thank you for having me, Dennis. Thanks. Listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in. I truly appreciate your time. If you're enjoying the podcast, 
then do me a huge favor. Click the subscribe button now and please leave me a review. It would mean a lot to me.